0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. But good evening everybody. I believe with all of my heart that, um, that lives are going to be changed here tonight. I don't, uh, I don't just turn up with some stock thing and just have a meeting. Every time we meet in Jesus' name where two or three are gathered... He is present to heal and help and bless and give guidance and save and deliver. Am I talking to the right people here tonight? Amen. Uh, I just want to say from the outset, my, just by way of introduction, my name is Ray Bevan. I'm 38 years of age. And I, no, no, listen, let me explain. Because uh, I'm 73 now, right? So, Um, It was about eight years ago. I'm sitting in the back garden talking to my granddaughter. She was five. And we were just discussing the problems in the Middle East. And she was coming up with some great suggestions. And all of a sudden, she she looks at me and she says, Bumper, how old are you, Bumper? I said, I'm 65, Eva. She starts sobbing. I'm not like (laughs) tears, everything. I said, what's the matter, Eva? She said, Baba, I don't want you to die, Bamba. I don't want you to die. I'm thinking, is this kid prophesying something, you're not? I said, I'm not gonna die, Eva. She said, but you'll be 100 soon. <laughs> and everybody dies when they're 100, Bumper. And then all of a sudden, this look of wonder came on her face like when Elliot saw E.T. for the first time. That, <clears throat> you know, this, this, I said, what's happening? She says, Bamba. I know what to do. I said, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna make you 30. I said, I'm up for that, okay, fine. But how are you gonna make me 30, Eva? Oh, Bumper, Tinkerbell. I should have known, Tinkerbell, isn't it? Answer to all our problems. I said, how is Tinkerbell gonna make me 30? She says, "Bumper, last night the tooth fairy came, and left some money under my pillow and magic fairy dust from Tinkerbell. I'm going to throw it over you, and you're going to become 30. I went with it, right? I said, how much of it do you have? You're going to need a bit. <laughs> so <clears throat> she said, I got a bit. Are you ready? I'm ready, I'm ready. She threw it over me, and I went with it. I, I said, Eva, I'm losing my breath. It's like electricity. She said, "Pampa, don't fight it, Pampa, don't fight it. <laughs> And when it was over, I went, what's happened, Eva? Bampa, you are now 30. Smiled all over her face, went off, played with her dolls, happy as a pig in a sty. And then and then and then and then the following year, she sent me a birthday card, happy 31st birthday. <laughs> she believes I'm 38. <laughs> but then, just a few years ago, I was driving her to the school. And she's staring at me. You know when a kid stares at you? It's a bit weird, isn't it? And I said, what are you looking at me, Eva? But b- I think it's wearing off. <laughs> I'm serious. Kids. But you know, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes God speaks to us the most profound things in the, in the simple, ordinary, day-to-day conversations and things of life. And, and I was going through, you know, I was struggling with something. I can't remember what it was. I'm always struggling with something. And I'm struggling with something. And as she walked away, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And he said, why can't you be like this with me? I said, fairy dust? Not the he said, why can't you be like this? I said, what do you mean? He said, Ray, she believes it. She lives in a world where golden where pumpkins become golden carriages. She lives in a world where magic mirrors speak. She lives in a world where wooden boys become real ones. We know it's a world of fantasy but she believes it. He said, "Why are you treating the world that I brought you into like fantasy?" He said, he said, "Unless you become like a little Child, you'll never experience the wonder of my salvation, the wonder of my grace, and the wonder of my love into your life. Come on, somebody say amen. And I think the older I'm getting, the younger I'm getting in that, in that mentality. And I think very often, especially when we become mature Christians in the sense of how much scripture we know and how much... Uh, how many times we've been to church and, and, and then tragedy hits and problems hit and we go to bed at night and our, our pillows are wet with tears and all the strategies and all the scriptures we've remembered and all the stuff somehow doesn't cut it for us. And we think, why is it I can't get a breakthrough in this area? And, and, and I've, this message is on my heart tonight. It's been on me for a month. I can't shake it off. And, and I'm seeing God releasing people from something that they've probably been struggling with for years. And, you know, probably most of us here tonight are lovers of God. But I know there are some here tonight, and the only way I can describe it, the only way I can explain how the Holy Spirit explains it to me is that, is that there's some people here tonight and you've just lost your way. I mean, you've been a Christian for years, but the spark has gone. The, the, the fire has gone out. And some of you are in automatic pilot. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We've all been there. And some of you are here tonight and it's it's almost like you've, you've lost your way. and I'm sitting here tonight, and, and Jesus just simply said to me, I left the 99 to go for the one. And you little tinker, you may be the one tonight that Jesus is seeking out here. Am I talking to a bunch of believers who are ready to have their lives changed here tonight? Come on, somebody say Amen. Let me put it like this, because God speaks to me like, like you, you never thought that you'd turn up tonight and, and hear um, a hymn by Lennon and McCartney sung, um, but God speaks to me in, in secular ways sometimes, and that particular song, um, he, he really spoke to my, my heart through that song, and sometimes he, he speaks to me through secular songs through, and through movies, and there's one movie that I saw, um, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a sci-fi movie, a Star Trek movie, and, and the movie was all about this massive energy cloud that was racing through the universe, it was angry, it was frustrated, it, it was eating up galaxies and planets. And so they sent for Captain Kirk to sort the cloud out, they went right into the center of the cloud and in the cloud, there was this big crater with a machine in the middle of the crater. And it was the machine that was causing the problem. It, it was this machine that was emanating this frustration and this anger and this sense of lostness. And he walked up to the machine and, he, and they discovered that it was a NASA probe that had been sent into the universe thousands of years ago. But it had malfunctioned. And it was searching for its creator. It had lost its identity. It didn't know who it was. It didn't know where it was. It didn't know why it was. And when I saw that, I thought, there are, there are some Christians here tonight. And listen, I've been here on a few occasions. That's why I'm preaching this with so much passion and you love God. You, you've given your life to God, but somehow you've lost your way. Somehow you've malfunctioned. Something has caused you to malfunction uh, as you've been uh, serving God and, 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 and walking with God. You were on course. You, your life had a purpose. Your heart had a dream. Your spirit had a home. But somehow you're here tonight and you've malfunctioned, I don't know what's caused the malfunction. Perhaps somebody betrayed you that you thought would never betray you. Perhaps you're here tonight with a broken heart. Perhaps you're here tonight with a broken dream. Perhaps some tragedy, some heartbreak, some bad decision, but... But you know what what I feel most people, especially Christians, have a problem with? And I know most Christians do because I'm a Christian too. And I get a problem with this sometimes until God gave me this revelation. The reason why some of you have malfunctioned is because you've surrendered against your conviction. In an area of your life, you've made a decision you never thought you would make as a believer. You've committed a sin you never would have thought you would have committed some time ago, but you have. And here's the problem. And now you don't know how to get back to God. Now you don't know how to get back to that place because you think, how could I have done that? How could I have said that? How could I have gone there? And so everything has become all uh, screwed up and malfunctioned and there's an anxiety in your heart. There's no peace. You come to church, you sing the songs, you go through the motions, but your heart is desperately crying out for a renewed relationship with Jesus, but you don't know how to get there. And I know you're here. I know you're here. Well, I got some good news for you tonight, because God has sent this little hobbit from the shire to tell you that there's always hope with Jesus. Now, we, we criticised Peter the Apostle. I mean, he was an absolute plonker sometimes. Come on, let's admit it, he was. The original carrier of foot-in-mouth disease, Peter. You want to check out how many times it says in the Bible, as Peter was speaking, God interrupted him. It's brilliant. It, it, Peter really encourages me. I mean, he really does. And we know the story and uh, about how his... Commitment of loyalty to Jesus. And then the Last Supper, they gathered around the table. They leave the upper room. They're on their way down to the Kidron Valley, up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said this to these wonderful 12 loyal men. These wonderful 12 committed loyal men, he says to them. Then they sang a him and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, Jesus said, hey, guys, listen, I got something to say to you. Tonight, all of you are going to desert me. Now, just try and put your head into, into their, their situation here. They were on their way. They were thinking, the kingdom is coming. This is going to be awesome. And now Jesus comes out of the blue and whaps them with this one. You're all going to desert me. For the scripture says, strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered watch this. He also said this. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you and meet you there. In other words, this is what he's saying. In spite of your upcoming disloyalty, in spite of your upcoming hypocrisy, your sin has not caught, caught, caught me by surprise. Your hypocrisy has not caught me by surprise. In spite of all that, when it's all over, when it's all said and done, I'm still going to love you, I'm still going to lead you, and I'm still going to use you. Come on, I need a big amen in this place tonight. And this is the time when Peter should have shut his mouth. But he can't help it, can he? So Jesus says, it was an insult to Peter's, what? Are you saying that I'm going to deny you? Don't you know you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I am the revelation receiver. They shut it. Just leave it. And Peter declared. <laughs> Spirit of Shakespeare came on him, I think. Even if everyone deserts you, I will never, never desert you. Peter, you plonker. So Jesus comes back at him. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us even though we plonk us? Come on. Every one of us here. I mean, there's, you know what I mean? Don't look at me. Look at yourself. I mean, my God. How can Jesus love you? I don't know. But he does. Then Jesus replied, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times that you ever knew me. Peter, now is the time. No, not Peter. Even if I have to die. I will never deny you. And the disciples said, and so say all of us. Well, it it just says, and the disciples vowed the same. But but Peter was always leading them, you know. They would just go with the flow. (laughs) We all know the story. Peter messed up. If you want a title for the message, here it is. What do you do when the rooster crows for you? You see, we could criticize Peter. Oh, we would never do that. Oh, really? Well, we did it. You've done it, and you're here. And the rooster was crowed for you, and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to get back to how it was. And so Peter denied, and we all know this little girl says, you you were with Jesus, and, and, and Peter says, man, I don't know what you're talking about, little girl. I don't even know the man. And he started cursing Jesus' name, never knew him. And the Bible says, as he was still speaking, here we go again, Peter, you've got to learn just to shut up, bro. While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Watch this. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. See, they had just brought Jesus out of the praetorium, the place where they scourged the criminals before crucifixion. And as they brought Jesus out, in unrecognizable as a human being, he turns and he looks at Peter as the, As the rooster crowed, revealing the hypocrisy in Peter's heart, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And those words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows. You're going to deny three times that you even knew him. And the Bible says, and Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Weeping bitterly. You see, these were not tears that said, Oh, well, I made a mistake. God will make up for it. These weren't tears that says, well, I shouldn't have done that. I'll do better next time. No, these were tears that said, there is no next time for me. Peter actually believed it was over for him. Now, we can read on hindsight what happened, but at that moment, as he was weeping bitterly, it says, he's done with me. How could I surrender against my convictions? You are the Christ. I don't know him. How could I do that? And Peter surrendered against his convictions, and the rooster crowed, exposing the hypocrisy in his heart, and he found a place to weep, because his love for Jesus was not what he thought it was. Hey, and that's where you are. I painted the picture because that's where you are. And like Peter, you've made the declaration of loyalty only to discover a traitor lurking in your heart. The rooster has crowed and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to get back. Well, are you ready for this? Because I'm going to tell you, How to get back to where you were. Does anybody want to know how to do this? Somebody say amen in this house right here. Here it is. How do you get back to the place that you were with God, even though you've messed up, you've been carrying this shame, you've been carrying this condemnation, and somehow you just, here it is. You can write this down, put it on your MP346 block dick don't think, whatever you use. You can put it in, here it is, right? The, you, you, never forget this. The, these are the steps you, na- you need to take to get back to where you were when you surrendered against your convictions. Here we go. Here it is. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know why? Because Jesus has gone ahead of all your sin, all your mistakes, all your mess ups, all your disloyalty, and he's paid the price already for it. No, Peter's gotta repent! Well, but it didn't happen here. See, the grace of God is not given because you repent. You repent because the grace of God has been given. In fact, the word repentance, metanoia, I talked to a, I was preaching with a guy from Greece who speaks Greek because that's where he's from. <laughs> and, he, and, and he said, he said, he, I said, what is metanoia? And do you know what he said? He says, metanoia is when something takes your breath away. When you see something that you go, Wow. See, that's what causes you the grace of God. If you don't experience the gasp of grace, what do you think changed Thomas when he turns up and says, I don't really, unless I see the, and the marks in his hands, and, and he turns up, and Jesus goes, there you go. Go on, touch that then. Put, look, like, watch. And Thomas goes, That's what caused him to change. Come on, somebody, say amen here. No, no, watch this. I'll go back to Captain Spock and Kirk. So here they are, the machine, and and, and they've rubbed the dust away, and it says, and it says, if found malfunctioned, press in this code. So they pressed in the code. All the anxiety, all the anger. That's who I am. That's where I came from. That's where I'm going. Tonight, God wants to press in the code. And here's the code 4316. And I'll come back next time. Time has gone. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're listening. There's one, one guy in the back like this. 4316 here it is here it is the code to get you back on track the fourth gospel the third chapter the 16th verse for god so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever repents that whosoever that whosoever That whosoever believes. Ray, why can't you be like that with me? She believes that you are 38. It's obvious you're not. But she believes. Why? Listen, I want to tell you something right now. If you can believe that Jesus has gone ahead of your sin, gone ahead of your mistakes, And even though you've surrendered against your convictions, he's already sorted it. And all he wants you to do to get back on course is to believe that you are still passionately loved by him. And what he started in your life, he will bring to completion. Come on, man. You need to give God praise in this house. (laughs) Believe. Believe. The gospel is the power of God to those that believe. What must I do to be saved, Paul? Believe. This is not the time for the church to repent. It's time for the church to believe. It's time for the church to receive. And I had something on my heart here tonight. I haven't got time to get into it, but next time I come here. Otherwise, we'll be here till next Wednesday. But I, I want to. I just want to be. You know, I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit right now. And I want us just say this: true repentance, new covenant repentance, not old covenant repentance, not Second Chronicles seven fourteen repentance. We pray old covenant prayers and expect new covenant results. It's like going to the ATM with a discontinued card and putting the card in, no money comes out, so you're disappointed, you're shouting, nothing's happening. And we have thousands of people gathering together, quote, in Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll heal you, then I'll forgive you. We spend days praying this prayer. Nothing happens. And then we get all disappointed again. And we're looking inward. Come on, somebody say amen in this house. No. The New Testament church never prayed that prayer. Check it out. That prayer was never prayed. In the the epistles, in the early church, now this is how they prayed. They knew they were forgiven. They knew they were righteous by the blood of Jesus. They knew they were imperfect. They knew they had made mistakes. But they knew that someone had gone ahead of their mistakes, ahead of their sin. They knew that they were recipients of the undeserved grace and love of God. They were not standing on their behavior. They were standing on the blood of Jesus as they approached the throne of grace. They knew how to come boldly. (laughs) 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not coming boldly, it's coming begging. Based on your behaviour, as if God is up there, you know. And I got so hungry when COVID came, and all these preachers started saying the church has to repent, as if as if COVID was the church's fault. And God is saying, "I'm not answering that prayer until I see some humility here. I'm not healing the land. I'm not going to deal with COVID until I see some true repentance." I want to ask a question. How do you know when you've repented enough? Is it three hours of crying or what? Three hours of crying and snot all over the floor. Oh, now God will be pleased with me. I want to tell you it's a lie from hell. I want to tell you something right now. We have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. We stand boldly before his throne. Boldly. No, this is how the early church prayed. This is where I didn't want to go, but I'm there now, so you've had it. So listen. So, so, so the early church were gathered together. They were imperfect. They were, they were just trying their best. And so they said, you preach in that name again, we're going to kill you. How many of you know that's a bit of a threat? That's worse than COVID. Come on, somebody say Amen. Yeah, we're gonna kill you, man. You shut your mouth, we're gonna kill you. So the Bible says they got together, they gathered in their own company. They didn't get on their knees and start praying 2 Chronicles 7:14. They didn't say, Forgive us. Do you know what they said? Check it out. Acts 4. This is what they said, Lord. You look at the threat. That's not our problem. That's your problem, not ours. Hey, Alibaba. They said, you look on the threat. And this is what they said. Give us. Not forgive us. Give us. Based on the blood of your son, we come boldly before the throne of grace. Give us boldness so that we can preach the gospel with the fire of God on us. Come on, somebody. Say amen. A bunch of imperfect people. See why are you getting me all riled up? It's your flipping fault. Why are you encouraging me this, like this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a fire burning in my spirit to see the church come alive to who they are in Jesus, and stop looking inside to find their sin, but look up to find someone who dealt with their sin, went ahead of their sin. Look inside to find the Son. Look inside. We are too sin conscious. We should be, sad. We should be more sun conscious than sin conscious. And that's why the church is living and cowering. Oh my God. Ooh. I feel like Reinhard Bonker here now. <laughs> I thought I was him for about three weeks. I thought I got the same initials, R.B. I thought, come on, not me and you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Can we give Jesus a clap in the house? I feel, I feel like we should praise him for who we are in Christ Jesus. My God. This is not the time to beg. This is the time to believe. Somebody shout, believe, after three. One, two, three. Believe! That's the code. That's the key. That's the key. Let me just say this. Because some of you have heard the cry of the rooster. And because of legalistic teaching, you've been beating yourself up. And all your repentance and all your fasting and all your giving and you still feel the same way because you're complicating things. You can't earn it. You just got to receive it by faith. Like a little child, believe. Watch this. The rooster's crow is not a sign that he's finished with you. It's a sign that you are about to experience grace on another level.
1: Come
0: on, man. We know I under time. Well, you know the story? How Peter was restored. You know the deal. He got back on track. Uh, this is how this is how confident he was. Now he denied three times. He, he was the first preacher on the day of Pentecost. Do you know what his opening statement was? You denied the Holy One. <laughs> what? You see, when you have a revelation of who you are in Jesus, when you have a a revelation of the grace of God and his forgiveness, you stop looking inside all the time. Come on, somebody. No, there are people here tonight, you are going to experience the grace of God on another level. This is what really, I'm going to pray in a minute. This is my first closing statement. Do you know when a preacher looks at his watch, it means nothing. <laughs> it's just for show. Are you, enjo- are you enjoying the word of God tonight? as you receiving this? God's going to watch over this word now. Watch. Watch this. So religion says, like 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, this is what you must do for me before I will bless you. Grace says, New Covenant says, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah, but Jesus, but nothing. He stands here tonight by the power of the Spirit as he's speaking through my mouth, as he's looking at you through my eyes. He is saying to you, hey, what do you want me to do with, what do you want me to do for you? And then we can. But, but look, let me tell you something about grace. Grace ignores excuses. Grace ignores all the excuses. Because it's not about you anymore. It's all about what he has already done for us. And he stands and he looks, and I'm preaching this in our church. I'm preaching on blind Bartimaeus. And here's blind Bartimaeus. And, and Jesus is coming with all his religious crowd. And they're there. And then he stops. And he says, hey, Bart. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And I can imagine the religious people, Jesus, what? Move along. He's done nothing for nobody, him. He's never been to the temple. He's never tithed. He's never, shut up. I'm Jesus. You're not. But what do you want me to do for you, bro? Well, I wouldn't mind seeing actually. Bam. Now watch this. I'm preaching this in our church. In the middle of the preaching, a woman gets up from the back, stands in the middle of the aisle, and starts walking down the aisle. I thought, oh, she's going to get saved. No, she's walking down the aisle. Then she walks along the front. I think, Where's security? She, she could be a terrorist. I, I, help me. She walked along the side, Mitch. And then I'm preaching. Preaching there. And then... She, she walks walks up the steps, and she's walking across the stage and I'm going, and the Lord and the jit, and she's walking, and then she stops here like this. I said, uh, "Oh, hello, hi." I'm serious, hello. She said, "Oh, hello." I said, "What's your name then?" "Oh, my name is Joan." "What's your name?" "I'm Ray." I'm, a pre- I'm the past pastor here. I'm <laughs> preaching the people. I said, "Joan, what are you doing here?" She said, "Well, it's only my second time in the church." I said, "Yeah, I gathered that. Yeah." <laughs> well, she said, "We got a feeding program in our church. It's the largest feeding program in Wales. Right? We feed over two hundred thousand people a year." And it's called Jesus Cares. We give out 2,000 food hampers every month. And she said, you know what? She said, my friend has been bringing me these food hampers. And I said to my friend, who's giving me these food hampers? And my fr- this is taking place on the platform now. <laughs> and I said, and, I, and, and, and she said to me, "Oh, the King's Church. And she said, and she said the King's Church is giving you these hampers uh, uh, because Jesus lives there. I thought, what a compliment for the church. Come on, Jesus. So she said, I'm not a believer or religious. So she said, I wanted to come to his house to say thank you. And I, well, I said, that's beautiful. And she said, I came last week to say thank you, but I I had another parcel this week, so I've come back to say thank you again. I said, that's really, but you, there's no need for you to actually come up on a platform. <laughs> you, you could have said that after. And uh, she said, no. She said, no, no. Then he was talking about Bart, Bart the blind guy there in the Bible. And Jesus uh, healed him. And he had done nothing. He didn't deserve it. And she said, I related to that. And so, I haven't been able to walk without my walker for three years. So I said, Jesus, look, you've given me a food amp, I know I don't deserve it. Could you heal my legs? Like you heal that guy. And she said, I felt this warmth go through my body. And she thought, I wonder if I can stand up without my walker. So that's why I stood out into the aisle. And I thought, whoa, oh, this is fantastic. I wonder if I can walk down there now. So she said, that's why I came. I walked all the way down the aisle. Then I saw them steps. I thought, I wonder if I can came up, if I can walk up the steps without help, up the steps, and I'm here. You is in the way. And I, <laughs> I, I I stopped here. I said, that's amazing. And again, Jesus was teaching the whole church about believing like a child. And I said, you know what, Joan? I said, Jesus doesn't live in the building. Oh, really? No, no. He lives in the hearts of the people who come here. He wants to make his home in your life. Never. <laughs> Never. Really? I said, yeah. He actually wants to come to live in your life and he'll stay with you until the day you die, he'll be the best friend that you'll ever have in your life. People may leave you. He will never leave you. People will say, you're rubbish. He will never say that about you. Would you like to receive him? or oh, please. A letter to the Lord on the platform. She gave her life to Jesus. I said, how do you feel, Joan? Oh. She said, can I speak to the people? <laughs> Serious. I said, what do you mean? Can I tell them something? So I was praying, second time in the church, Jesus, if she, if she swears, it's not my fault, okay? <laughs> if she cusses, it's not my fault, you you I said, I gave her the mic, and she said, hi everybody, you don't know me, but she said, I was like Bartimaeus, I, this man Bart, she said, I've done nothing for nobody, I've lived a really bad life, and Jesus has given me food hampers, and he's healed my legs. And I was coming home with me. She said, she said, she said, she said, why don't you lot do the same? <laughs> Come on, give it up for Joan, folk. Give it up for Joan. <laughs> Believe. That's how you get back on track. Believe that you are loved with a love that is beyond understanding. The rooster has crowed for people here. You've been living with shame, like Peter, weeping bitterly, not knowing what to do. You're about to experience grace on another level, if you will just believe it. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. I've got some. Yeah. Just get along with God for a moment. Why didn't you learn a lesson from Joan? I I I don't care if you've been a Christian for three thousand years. I don't care how much Bible knowledge you know, I don't I don't care. You 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 can't deal with the shame, can you? But well, now is the tonight is the night. God has orchestrated for you to be here. The rooster has crowed for you. You haven't known what to do. You've been living in guilt and condemnation and shame. But tonight, Jesus is saying, just believe. He's not asking you to repent. You've done enough of that. Nothing's happened. He's asking you to receive. He stands here tonight and says, receive my love receive my joy receive my peace believe me that's what he's asking you to do believe me if you are here and you say ray this word has really spoken to me and i still struggle with the fact i but i'm tonight i'm i'm prepared to believe that I can walk out of this place free of that shame, free of that condemnation. That that sin that you committed, no one knows about, that's been been haunting you for years. That's been affecting you and your relationship with Jesus. And you go to church and it's automatic pilot and you can't really enjoy the presence of God. Come on, believe tonight. Believe and receive his love. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three, okay? When I count to three, and you know what? When I preach this message, it happens all over the world. I'm telling you, people are getting set free from condemnation and shame and guilt by just believing that they are loved and they are accepted. So if that's you tonight, when I count to three, say, Ray, this message was for me, and I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive the love of God and the forgiveness of God that was already there and I didn't know it. And I'm gonna pray for you. The rooster has crowed for me on a number of occasions. That's why I'm preaching with so much passion here. Because I know this works. One, don't worry about what people think. Rejoice with what heaven knows. Two, here we go. And if you are here, say, Ray, I'm going to believe I am going to believe and I'm going to receive and I'm going to walk out of this place and I'm leaving this shame here. I'm leaving this condemnation and guilt here. Here we go. I want you to put your hand up when I say three and I'm going to pray. Three. Raise your hand. Where are you? Come on. Raise your hand high. Yes, hands are going up all over. Come on, you are here. Raise your hand and say, ready? This message was for me and I'm receiving God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness right here. Is there one more? Many hands up. No one looking around, just you and God and me. And I'm gonna pray in just a moment. Is there one more? Raise your hand. Father, you see these people, you can put your hands down. These people that raised their hands, right now you are going from seat to seat and right now, Father, they are believing like a child. They are believing like a child. They're, they're allowing you to punch in the code. They're going to believe. And all that frustration and all that anger and all that sense of lostness is dissipating like snow on a fire. And I speak peace peace and I speak joy, and I speak restoration into their hearts and into their minds and into their lives. And I, I speak the peace of God that passes understanding in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. And everybody said, Amen. And everybody give the Lord a big clap in the house right here.